This episode of Boss Barista is brought to you by Junior's Roasted Coffee, a micro-roastery and education consultancy based in Portland, Oregon. I've known the founders, Mike and Karen Nelson, for years, and I was lucky to sit down with Karen and talk about her retail cafe. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the struggles one faces when they open a new business, and Karen was kind enough to share some of the struggles she's faced being a new business owner. Like having the freedom to do whatever we want is amazing, but we also have to consider things that go into it. Like, are are we welcoming everyone? Are we being fair? Like, what are the consequences of what we do? And if we make a mistake, we have the power to control our response to it. We'll hear more from Karen later in the episode. And for Boss Barista listeners, Mike and Karen want to share their coffee with you. Check out some of their coffees online at juniorsroastedcoffee.com and use the promo code BOSSBARISTA at checkout for 10% discount on your purchase. Junior's Roasted Coffee is operated by two of my favorite people in coffee, and I wouldn't promote anything that I didn't believe in. So I hope that you go online and get to check out their coffees. That's juniorsroastedcoffee.com. Use the promo code BOSSBARISTA, all one word, all capitalized, for a 10% discount on your purchase. I'm standing outside on a cold March day in Chicago. It's around three o'clock and school is just letting out and there are high schoolers pouring out of back of the yards college prep. The school is named after the neighborhood, just like the coffee shop that I'm waiting in front of, back of the yards coffee. The neighborhood was an industrial neighborhood, named so because it was in close proximity to the Union Stockyards a meatpacking district that once are in the neighborhood, the title of the hog butcher of the world. Upton Sinclair wrote a book about the neighborhood called The Jungle, where he describes how workers were exploited in factories and the unfair working conditions that many faced. And others have also talked about this place in their work. Yeah, so there's a really cool poem. Um, I think it's titled Chicago, I'm not sure, but um, he describes Chicago as the butcher house of America. And so, um, I don't know how familiar you are with Back of the Yards, but the name comes from us being in back of the stockyards. I'm here to talk to Myra Hernandez, who's one of the co-founders of Back of the Yards Coffee. Myra and her business partner, Jesse, grew up in the neighborhood, which has always been home to immigrants, first to Eastern Europeans and now mostly to Mexican-Americans. Myra's family moved into the neighborhood when she was young, then moved out, but she chose to come back and open back of the yards coffee, the coffee shop that reflects the history of the community, both past and present. If you like Google this this address and go back a couple of years, you can see how like terrible this building was. Like it's falling over, and uh, they were actually going to tear it down, but the landlord was able to um, kind of restore it wall by wall. And so, uh, you know, Metro PCS came into the front, and the space was empty for a long time. And it was just like, oh, this, like, white vanilla box in here. I mean, it just reminded me of an office. I had the office lighting. It just, like, gave me anxiety because I've worked in office spaces, like, my whole life. And so I wanted to do, like, the complete opposite of that. And I was like, we're going really dark. We're going to get dark colors. And that's why, I like, the dark blue in here. Um, but the, I guess, like, the inspiration for the design was uh it, it came from a lot of the history of back of the yards like back of the yards is known as like the butcher house of america welcome to a new chapter of boss barista i'm ashley rodriguez and i'm thrilled today to kick off this new 
I guess, transformation of the podcast. We're going to be focusing on long-form storytelling, on-site interviews, and playing around just in general with the form and function of this podcast. I'm honored and I'm thrilled to start with this story. Today, we're going to bring you part one of an episode with Myra. We sat down with her in her coffee shop, which is the story that you'll hear today, and also in our studio exploring ideas about neighborhood identity, reclaiming spaces, and investing in your neighborhood. Stick around. This is going to be a good one. Back of the Yards Coffee is named after its neighborhood in Chicago. And we start with Myra by digging into the history of the neighborhood and where the name comes from. Yes, yeah, so the Back of the Yards Coffee House is located on 47th and Hoyne, so right between Western and Damon. Um, back of the, Yard, the Back of the Yards neighborhood is within uh, the boundaries of just south of Pershing. Um, and then we have Western on the west and Halstead on the east. Um, and it goes down south as far as, I want to say, 51st Street. Um, so that's generally like the back of the yards uh, neighborhood. Um, it's always been an immigrant community. Um, a lot of families kind of come here, you know, establish themselves and then and then move out, you know, if they can. Um, which is what my, my family did here. This was a, the first... Uh, neighborhood where they were able to afford a, a house and own their own house and kind of work from there. Um, eventually, my parents did, did move out um, because there is a, uh, an issue with like violence. I guess as you know, like any under-resourced community, you're going to see the same problems of um, um, you know lack of resources and, and lack of job opportunities for the youth, and so. Um, and even like schools, I think for many years, like we only had one high school in the neighborhood, even though we had like one of the largest populations of like high school age students in Chicago. So, um, so yeah. And I don't know if I'm just like going all over the place, but no, this is I'm bad. looking out the window and I'm looking at the high school. Um, the back of the yards college prep um, has been up for four years. So last uh, June we had our very first graduating class, and that was really exciting because. You know, a lot of people in the community fought a lot to get this building um, established here. Prior to the the high school being here, this used to be the enormous like junkyard. Like it was, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and that's how I remember back of the yard. Like you know, you whenever we drove by or if you took the train, you just see this massive like land of like metal and cars um so they cleared all that out and were able to build this high school so that was one of the best high schools in, in, the, in the in the city so that's that's interesting thinking about like what this space was like like 15 20 years ago like yeah. when you were growing up like can you talk a little bit about like the neighborhood when you were first when you were younger and like when did you guys leave yes yeah, so i lived um <laughs> Uh, my family and I lived here in the early 1990s, and um, I just remember it honestly. Like I was young, and I just that was my neighborhood. Like it was a very humble place. Um, I loved that everything was like walking distance from my house. But I actually grew up right next to the railroad tracks, um, just on just east of Ashland, and where I lived. There was only three houses on one side of the block, and across the street was like, um, I don't know, 
some I still actually don't know what's there. It's like a warehouse and you always had like deliveries coming in and out. So I've always had that noise, like the industrial sound of like the trains going by and like semis pulling in and out. Um, so that's how I remember my neighborhood. But it was a lot of fun just like hanging out with the kids and like running around the street. There wasn't a lot of traffic there, so like we grew up like literally like playing on like in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't see kids doing that nowadays and like you everyone's stuck inside but um so i just think overall i have like fun memories of living in a neighborhood um while being aware of like a lot of the dangers that that we face here um but you know in talking about like the school and how that used to be a junkyard and even like the coffee house itself how that was about to be demolished you know i think of like the idea of second chances and i think that there's a lot of people in this neighborhood who um are aware of that, that, you know, when you're given opportunities, and I don't just mean, like, second chances, like, we might need third, fourth, fifth chances, um, you know, you can really transform a person or, you know, and, and like, and thus, like, the neighborhood. Um, I was lucky enough to be uh, mentored by, um, you know, a group of adults who, who really cared about the youth in our neighborhood through um, through the church, through Holy Cross Church. And a lot of those those uh, people that were mentored, we were, we're still very close. A lot of them chose to stay in the neighborhood. Um, and, you know, we've grown up and a lot, a lot of them have careers, you know, or some of us became business owners. And we've chosen to stay committed to kind of trying to bring out, help bring out the best of, of what we have in the neighborhood. Because the truth is that there's so much talent here in, in, in our communities. Um, we just have to be able to offer those opportunities for, for people to shine through. Is that what brought you back here after leaving? Um, yeah, and also I guess just like feeling like I didn't really belong in any other communities. I spent a lot of my life, uh, like high school life, <laughs> um, living by Midway and like, I moved to like McKinley Park and then Tolson, but I, I never felt the same like feeling of community that I get from from being in back of the yard. So even though I was living in other spaces, I was back in a neighborhood like every Sunday, whether it was for church or like you know community service or just like you know meeting people here. So um, so this is just where like I feel at home. That's. That, like, really speaks to me because I think a lot about, um, I'm from Miami originally, and I have thought, I've, like, left the minute I could. Like, yeah. when I was 18, I was done. But then now that I'm older, now that I'm 30, I'm like, maybe I do want to go back. Like, yeah. there's no other place I felt the same, especially, like, being, um, being, um, Cuban and like not really feeling like I belong anywhere in particular yeah. um, and that's something that like really like I've never heard anyone kind of articulate that feeling of like oh I can live other places but like where where's home I guess really? when I think of like I always think about my childhood memories and I mean I've lived in other places and I've experienced things in um, other neighborhoods but I, when I think of like hanging out with my friends as a kid and running around like I always think of back of the yards like why did you um, leave Miami, or why did you want to leave? When I was 18, I was just like, I don't know, like when my family, like when I was growing up, like my like multiculturalism wasn't very important when yeah. I was growing up. So I grew up speaking Spanish, but then once I got to school, my mom was like, no more Spanish. Mm -hmm. Like 
kind of eradicated that. So I, I lost my Spanish. Like, I don't speak it very well anymore. Um, and I don't think back in, like, the 80s and early 90s that was considered very important like it is now. Um, so I kind of grew up always feeling, like, very outside, very othered, because I was the only one in my family that didn't speak Spanish. Like, my grandparents came from Cuba in the 1960s. They don't speak English because they never have to. Um, and, like, my family grew up calling me, like, La Gringa. And I was like... <laughs> this is not nice. Like, I don't like this. Yeah. Um, so I remember feeling like I didn't belong at that time. Yeah. But then when I got to, I came, I actually came to Chicago for college. I went to uh, the University of Chicago. So I was in Hyde Park. And like, I never remember being like, I've never met so many rich white kids in my entire life. <laughs> and like, I felt so othered there too. So I was like, oh God, where do I go next? So I went to New York. I was there for six years, and that was nice because there was, like, an anonymity to New York. Um, and then I moved to San Francisco, which was awful. Uh, and then my partner, who you met, um, he lives here, and we were doing long distance for a while, and then I came back. Um, and we're still both trying to figure out, like, what might happen next. Um, like, my grandparents have talked about selling their house, and I'm like, what if we bought their house and, like, lived in, like, Little Havana? Like, it's, like, right in, like, the heart of Little Havana, like, in Miami, and I'm like... This is the first time I felt like home, being home is important. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it, when I told my parents that I wanted to to move back to into back of the yard, they freaked out. They were like, we worked so hard to get you out of that neighborhood. And now you want to go back? What's wrong with you? And I was like, well, I see their point. And, and that's a reality for a lot of people. You know, you hear a lot of like the narratives of like, you know, work hard and do good so you can get out of the hood and like, go, you know, like put yourself in a better situation. And um, it's kind of hard for me to explain to people like why I would want to come back. But I also understand their point of view, like, you know, obviously different life experiences. Um, a lot of people do suffer in a hood, so they would want to get away from that. But, um, but you know, I guess based on my experience, I'm just always feeling like I want to be part of a community is what um, made me want to made me feel like this is where I want to be and instead of you know having people with all these talents like leave the community if you just if you chose to stay you can stay in your community and kind of help it, help you know bring it up together right um, but, but yeah that could be a tough decision yeah I think it's people but yeah I think it's hard especially like I, like, by no means grew up, like, in the hood of Miami by, at, at all, and I wouldn't necessarily return back to my community. I'd maybe return back to, like, where my grandparents are or, like, somewhere, like, a little closer central because I was, like, pretty far west of Miami. Um, but I think it's interesting thinking about, like, you as a business owner, like, reinvesting in the community. Like, how do you see your role in the community now? differently as opposed to like when you were a kid and this was just like where you grew up yeah I guess I never really thought like oh let me help my community so I'm gonna open a business right, <laughs> right? it just kind of seems like um I don't know I never I never thought about it from that angle but I guess I'm just like being broke for so long and and wanting to continue to help my community and make money um you know this coffee thing just kind of like hey like this could work you know and I, my role here like I want to continue to have those close relationships with 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 my um, with my neighbors and, and my community and I think that for them seeing me like this like young Latina like 
be able to do this. I think it's inspired a lot of people. Um, and so the role is not always just like, oh, you know, we're giving back, you know, like, you know, a dollar from every bag of coffee that we sell. It's just, I think, just being present in the neighborhood and, and being real with people and sharing my struggles, like how challenging it is to, to, to run a business as well. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, I hope I'm... I'm playing a good role in the neighborhood. I mean, you can only do, like, your best. And I think something that you touched upon is, like, being open about how tough running a business is. Yeah. And I think that that's important to be vulnerable and just be like, this isn't... I didn't just, like, wake up one day and be like, oh, look, I opened a business. Yeah. Like, can you talk a little bit about, like, some of the ups and downs? Yeah, it's definitely been the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. Um... I guess I always had like a little bit of that like entrepreneur spirit in me, but I I didn't know it was there. But now that I'm I'm you know running a business, I look back and I think like yeah, I got it from my dad, I got it from my mom. Like you know, my dad was selling ice cream from an ice cream truck when he got here, and like always trying to like make that extra money to make things work, and like just like you know remembering like the hustle his hustle and even my own hustle like starting this like oh, i started selling cold brew and like you know just going to places to deliver it um so it's been a a struggle because i feel like i didn't really have like a mentor or someone to like guide me through like setting up a business um it's been a struggle as uh first generation um latina just being a woman <laughs> Um, there's been many struggles and even just like explaining to people who are not from the neighborhood why I chose to like name the business after a neighborhood that gets such a negative like you know reputation in the media um, sometimes it was kind of like oh am I doing the right thing but like no I believe in my neighborhood and so um, I think what's helped me you know push through all the struggles is the fact that there's so many people that do support us um, you know, friends and family from, from the neighborhood, it's almost like, I have to do this. And especially, you know, with the fact that they've contributed, you know, to our business just, um, you know, through word of mouth, like, you know, contributions when we were first trying to open up and and just being here and and, and um, just being present for us as well. It's a, it's a very mutual thing, and I, and I hope it stays that way. It's kind of... You know, I need my people in order yeah. to, to kind of, like, stay motivated and be able to push through every day. Do you think that this business would look different if somebody who was not from the neighborhood opened it? Like, do you think about that? Like, if someone else came in and um, wanted to open a coffee shop here? I think I think so. Um, you you see a lot. You know, well, I've seen a lot of businesses, uh, new businesses, well, mostly, like, chain and franchise businesses that, don't last more than like two years in the neighborhood. Um, many of the businesses on 47th Street, if not all of them, have been there for years and they're all family owned. Um, and for somebody else to come in, um, I think it would just take a little bit more time to kind of gain like the trust of people and and um, and you know just establish that relationship. Um, but I definitely think that Back of the Arts is a community that has people. Spend money here, you know. They they want to shop, and you know we need new businesses in the neighborhood as well. Um, but uh, I guess based on like our experiences with like even like other like 
nonprofits, other organizations coming in trying to help. It hasn't always been very successful in the sense that kind of just come in and then like leave a few years later and kind of like leave people hanging. So I feel like our community has grown a little bit like protective of who comes into the neighborhood. Um, yeah, so there's, you know, there's like different sentiments, you know, with, with people coming in from from the outside of the neighborhood. Right, yeah. I, I just think about like just neighborhoods in general where I don't see coffee shops and I'm always like, when is it going to happen? Like, when is it going to happen where someone like comes in and decides like, oh, the rent is right or something like that as opposed yeah. to thinking about, oh, does this community want this? So how did you, yeah, how did you guys determine that? Like, how did you guys gain trust from the community? Yeah, so um, I, I've spent... I can't even remember, I guess, since I was, like, 12 years old, I've been involved in, like, the church and community, and I think people have just seen my face for many years, you know, getting people to, door a lot of door knocking and canvassing, getting people out to vote. Um, I was a member of the immigration committee um, that helped raise funds for undocumented students from back of the yards. Um, that took some door knocking, too, just to share the word. So, like, um, being present in the community for so many years... And being active, I think, helped establish that trust. And and same with my business partner, Jesse. He's been doing that even longer than I have. Um, it almost feels like everything we've done in our lives is kind of leading up to this moment. <laughs> and so uh, I think that's why people trust us and they've been so supportive. Because they know who we are, we know that hopefully know that we're genuine about what we're trying to do and when we thought of of the idea to open up a coffee house um, that I feel like that almost came from them because we weren't trying to open up a coffee shop we were just trying to roast um, but we we went around and we talked to people hey this is what we're thinking what do you think and people were like oh you should open up a coffee shop and then the coffee shop idea started you know going around and then we felt like okay I think that's what what people are asking for and um and i do think that the community is just like was just at the right point like to have uh, a coffee house there's a uh you know growing population of college age students that are in the neighborhood so like you know and then all the high schoolers here but you know hopefully you know they'll uh, continue to be our customers after they graduate but um um, yeah, we we literally went around and asked people what they they thought about about having um, this type of business. So community input ex- extremely extremely important, um, especially if you want to be successful, you know, as a business. After the break, we'll hear more from Myra about opening her business. Stay tuned. This episode of Boss Barista is brought to you by Junior's Roasted Coffee, a micro-roastery and education consultancy based in Portland, Oregon. Earlier in the episode, we heard from Karen about some of the struggles she's faced as a new business owner. When we initially talked about what we were thinking about doing for this ad, we talked a lot about being transparent. So I asked Karen to be transparent and open about her experiences opening up a new business and the things that she's learned along the way. In my personal life, I was a bigger planner than I am now, I'm a lot more spontaneous because you get two hours where you're like, okay, let's, you know, let's sit outside in the park and just like chill out for a second. If you don't take that, you may not get that back for another week. Karen was transparent with us and I want to be transparent with you about why I chose to work with them. I've known Karen and her partner, Mike, for a long time and they're both caring and hardworking and considerate 
and I wanted to talk about them on this platform. Karen is one of the co-founders of Wink, which helps fund baristas who want to compete in coffee competitions. And I want the listeners of Boss Barista to know about them. And they want to know about you too. Check out some of their coffees online at juniorsroastedcoffee.com and use the promo code BOSSBARISTA at checkout for a 10% discount on your purchase. That's juniorsroastedcoffee.com. Use the offer code BOSSBARISTA at checkout for a 10% discount on your purchase. I think something that when I come in and I like look around um, that I think is really cool and really interesting is that you guys have a lot of like local art and then you have like the wall over here with flyers kind of mm-hmm. describing different things happening in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that you've gone to other coffee shops like on the north side of mm-hmm. Chicago and like that's just like not the aesthetic anymore. Yeah. So like I wonder how you think about using your space to reflect the community. Yeah. Um, so with the, with the, the space, I wanted to make sure that I did have some room for artwork, and I wanted to focus specifically on artwork from, like, students um, within the, the neighborhood schools. Um, the photographs that we have up there right now are actually from a teacher, uh, Ricardo Cervantes, who um, is an art teacher at uh, Lara just down the street. And um, he was kind of the first one that said, hey, I have all this stuff when we opened up. So I was like, okay, I need something on the wall, so I'll put it up. But he's been working a lot with students to, you know, promote that art in the neighborhood. Um, If you get a chance to drive by, like, there's an awesome, like, collection of, like, new... um, Yeah, down the street, or maybe a couple blocks that way. Um, They've just put, like, a lot of, like, images on the windows, which... That, yeah, it just looks really colorful. It's not something that was there before, and it just brightened up the, the neighborhood. Um, and some of the photographs, uh, this one right here, the th- those three and those are from back of the yards. Oh wow! Yeah, those so are beautiful. Those were taken at our uh, Day of the Dead event, um, which we host at the end of October, early November, and it's just uh, an event that was created to just um, try to increase like art and culture celebration in the back of the yards. It's an awesome event because it's all 100% like grassroots, community-led, neighborhood-led. And um, in this, I like this one, my favorite one, my favorite images. You have a, a group of motorcycle riders that actually lined up to get their faces painted. I got to paint them. Oh, really? Yeah, and then Jesse's like hidden back there behind those feathers. Oh, wow. um, and that's here at, at uh, Davis Square Park. Um, and so that's where those images are from. But uh, these are from actually from um, my hometown in Mexico, from Guanajuato. So Where in Mexico are you? Uh, Guanajuato. Mm-hmm. Were you born here? I was born in Mexico, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I didn't know that these were from there until the artist told me. And I was like, hey, that's where I'm from. So, yeah. So these are going to be uh, coming down soon, actually. And um, we're going to be displaying artwork from the students in the surrounding neighborhoods. Um, what about this wall? Yeah. So the cups and plants. Who inspired um, this? <laughs> so this wall was created to honor the uh, people who contributed more than $200 when we were running our uh, crowdfunding campaign. And so um, it was kind of like a thank you wall. <laughs> um, so for, does everyone have like their own cup? Yeah, so um, the names are going up there. <laughs> 
Um, and it looks like I have to replace some of the succulents that didn't make it. So, but at least I know which kind will survive up there. Succulents are. <laughs> I thought I'm, they were I, easier to make. Yeah, no, I think so. I always think that too. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's check out this wall. So, something that I had like we talked a little bit about is that like you don't really see community walls and coffee shops anymore. Yeah, that's disappointing. <laughs> right? What do you think that is? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe in the type of neighborhoods that um, where there's coffee houses without community of flyers. I don't know. Maybe they're just not like aesthetically like looking for that in their coffee house. But coffee houses are, in my opinion, are supposed to be the place where change happens and great ideas come about. And so to me, it only makes sense to be able to provide resources um, for people to check out what else is going on in the neighborhood. Um, so this wall like grew pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, there's always different, uh, different flyers. Um, and it's in like a mix of English and Spanish too, which is great. Yeah, so it's really important to have um, flyers in Spanish for, for a lot of the community members here. Do most most people in the neighborhood speak Spanish? Um, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, but yeah. I would say yes. <laughs> I heard a lot of Spanish just even sitting here, like <laughs> recording. Yeah, um... But yeah, there's it's there's a, a big Latino population, so I would say yes. But you know, kids growing up nowadays are forgetting to speak Spanish, so <laughs> I'm like living proof of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say there's a, a pretty large population of Spanish speakers in the, in the neighborhood. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, and you have books too. Microphone. Huh? Oh, you have books too. Oh, yeah. Somebody came in and dropped off a ton of children's books. So I figured, let's just throw them in there. So every time kids come in, I was like, take a book. Oh, just take it. <laughs> just like, just go with it. Yeah. And so people see them and they're like, oh, I have some at home. I'll bring them. So now we always have children's books in here. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's like, uh, especially in terms of coffee shops and like the ugly word of gentrification. Um, people really don't think about what the community needs. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you guys have really thought a lot about that. Yeah. You know, you need the community to to buy into what you're doing and 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 you gotta be honest with them because they'll know. <laughs> you know, they'll know if if, if a business is there kinda just uh, I don't know how to say it, like maybe not really providing resources and 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 it's just so important to, I don't know, just connect with people. I mean, I would think that that, that would be a, a very important part of running a business. If you want customers to return and and um, aside from offering good products, you know, just having that connection. I think it just makes, like, the business worth, like, running. It just gives it, like, something, something more special instead of it just being, like, this, like, dry job I guess <laughs> so I have some coffee uh, right now do you know what I'm do you know what I'm drinking what's on drip I don't know what you got but you might have gotten 47th Street blend what is that <laughs> so um, that is a blend of uh, Ethiopian and Brazilian beans um, and we decided to name the the coffee after 47th Street <laughs> um, which I think 
people love, well, I guess if they're from the neighborhood, they think it's awesome. Um, and those who don't know think it's a cool name. So <laughs> I mean, if you look right outside, you can see yeah, 47, 47 Street. Street. Yeah. Um, Do you have other blends yeah. that you name after the neighborhood? So we're working on that right now. Um, we're working on, on creating other blends. We kind of just wanted to like push this one, make sure people are familiar with it. And it's, you know, I think it's worked really, really well. Um, but we definitely have a couple of other uh, blends coming up. Um, our espresso is called Butcher's Blend. So again, uh, kind of playing with it. The Butcher House of America. Um, and, and yeah, with the coffee, we were at first a little bit, um, I guess, scared with what type of flavor we wanted to create because I think in our like community, like we're used to like soldiers and like you know like cheap coffee, which I feel is just like really burnt coffee. And so if it doesn't taste like that, I think people just think like, oh, this doesn't taste like coffee. But we wanted to also make sure that we were going to offer something different, but not too different where people were going to be too shocked by it. So we wanted to find like a nice like middle ground of like brightness and darkness. So that's why we have like the chocolatey and the fruit flavors. Um, and thankfully, the, our community responded like really well to it. A lot of people have never had specialty coffee and they're just like shocked at the fact that they didn't have to add sugar or milk to it. And I'm like, yes, that's how you're supposed to drink coffee. I mean, I think like, you know, cheap coffee, you kind of have to add cream and sugar to mask the flavor. And so um, something I, I noticed, like there was a trend of people that kept saying like, I always add cream and sugar. I always add cream and sugar at home and I never feel like I have to add it in here. And I was like, that is good for your health. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you can avoid all that cream and sugar that you're drinking every day with coffee, just by switching over to like, you know, specialty coffee or to the 47th Street blend, <laughs> you know, you can like, you know, make a difference in your health habits. So what on your menu is maybe different or special or kind of honors the community? Yeah. Um, I would say like, but as far as like our coffee, our cafe de olla has been like what is that? A huge hit. Um, so cafe de olla is translates to like I guess pot coffee. Um, in Mexico, like my grandmother, Jesse's grandmother, uh, would make coffee in a clay pot. And I guess since like all the coffee, all the good coffee that we grow in Mexico gets you know exported to the United States, they get left like. The bad leftover, yeah. So if you have crappy coffee, <laughs> you mask it um, with spices. So um, it's a it's a popular coffee drink in 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 Mexico and Latin America. And so we add spices like cinnamon, star anise, um, <laughs> um, clove, um, and piloncillo, which is a sugar, uh, raw sugar molasses. And so. Um, a lot of places, a lot of restaurants will say they have cafe de olla, but they're just adding cinnamon to it. Right. <laughs> pot. Um, we actually, like, you know, boil all the ingredients together and um, and create our cafe de olla with that. So it it's also, like, this, like, feel-good coffee. Kind of just, I feel like, reminds you of, like, you know, grandma, like, you know, in home. And so that's been, like, a very popular drink for us. And we were able to create a syrup out of it so we could serve it iced as well. Oh, that's so awesome. that's been, it's been a big hit. And, that, and I think it also like kind of honors our our, um, our culture and our heritage. So 
very proud of that one. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people ask me a lot about like Cuban coffee, yeah. like cafe cubano, and then they all have like different ways of doing it. <laughs> and the way that my grandma does it, she has she has her own espresso machine because mm-hmm. that's what Cubans do apparently. Um, <laughs> so she'll have like two little vessels and she'll pull a shot of espresso and then the first little drippings of the espresso, she'll have a cup like just full of sugar. Oh just, yeah. Like, like this much raw yeah. sugar in it. So she'll look like the drippings of the espresso go in there and then she'll switch out another cup that's empty and then she'll make a paste out of those drippings and then put it all together and then this is where she's <laughs> goes off the wall. She'll take the steam one and make the espresso hotter. She'll steam the espresso. <laughs> Everybody's got their own. I know. So their own special way. That's one of those things where like people ask me all the time. They're like, "Oh, like how do you make Cuban coffee? They yeah. think you put it like right in the porta filter." And I'm like, "No, that's not. Oh, that'll ruin your yeah, machine." Yeah, I've heard exactly. I've heard so many different ways. That I'm just like, uh, I'm not really sure. I'm mm-hmm. not Cuban. So what? What do you think the future? looks like for you guys um well that's a big question that is a big question um hopefully (laughs) well that's that's paola one of our uh, baristas um yeah um gotta put that on a business card yeah there you go see my business (laughs) (laughs) um well like Paula came to us as an intern to through one of um, through a youth employment program that was created for back of the yard students. Um, we were excited to have her on board, as well as a lot of our other employees also came in as interns through um, the back of the yard's Peace Works program or through the uh, One Summer Chicago program, um, and. It was like inspiring me for inspiring for me to see how much she's grown here in the coffee house. She's she's this very shy person. Um, a lot of these um, haven't had a job, you know, before, so there, it did take some work to to get them going. But I want to be able to provide more job opportunities. So like with having the roasting facility, and you know, we're talking about maybe opening up another coffee house um, in in surrounding neighborhoods. And we want our business model to be, you know, copied by other people, other businesses. So if anything, whatever comes out of this, I want other business owners to be inspired and to know that it is possible to be socially responsible. Um, It is possible to give back to your community and be a successful business at the same time. Um, so whether we expand um, to other locations or we help other, you know, coffee houses open up, um, we want to make sure that that you know the mission of giving back to your community is being followed through, and that you know we're providing opportunities for for other people. That was awesome. <laughs> that was great. Thanks. Uh, is there anything else you want to say while we're kind of like on site? Like anything about the space or the neighborhood stuff that kind of has like significance to like this physical location? I think one thing. Oh, one thing I did want to ask about yeah. was all this like the swag and like the oh yeah the stuff that like so. you guys sell because it's all it's got like your air, like the zip code right? Yeah, it's got our zip code. So, um, you know, one of our 
something we're very intentional about is making sure that we shop local and that we we rely on other you know family-owned businesses or local businesses as much as possible so like you know we have Philbert's Pod they're from right down the street even our vintner ships are from down the street um, and the, the swag that we have here is from um, La Selva, which translates to The Jungle. And so that's a take like on Upton Sinclair's the book, The Jungle. Um, so the, the merchandise that we have here is um, from a business of a friend of ours who's also from the community, also, you know, grew up here his entire life. And uh, his intention with his business is to create create or increase the sense of pride um, in in back of the yards. Um, you know, something that I would like to share is that because of a lot of the negative me- attention that we get on the media, that really does harm the way that people feel in the community. So they start to believe, well, this is a bad place. There's kind of like, you kind of lose a little bit of hope. And so what we're trying to do, in, you know, back of the yards coffee and, and La Selva is kind of try to show this other narrative that it's not all, all like scary and like you know it's not scary it's not a scary place to be and there's a lot of great things happening here and that we should be proud of of how far we've come and proud of how our community has united to to work through these struggles um, sometimes without the help of like you know politicians like we have to do things on our own so there's People from the neighborhood have this grit, um, and we want people to be proud of them. We want people to say with pride, I'm from back of the yards. And so hopefully with having like this awesome coffee house yeah. and coffee business, people will, will feel that way. But yeah, the swag has like the 60609, or zip code, um, Las Yardas, which is like the slang for like, you know, the backyard. Um, but it's really cool to see people. You know, when you go outside the neighborhood, you, you catch people sometimes wearing the, you know, the shirts and, awesome. the, and the hats. So it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, you know. I think, I think that actually like thinks may remind me of another question like when you talked about the press and like the negative press that this neighborhood has gotten and I think something that's really interesting like you mentioned it the first time I met you is all the press that you guys have gotten that I imagine is the other way is positive so like how do you like what do you think is your responsibility kind of in that in the limelight yeah um that's kind of like a meta question we answer like on a podcast but hmm. I wonder if that's something that you've like no that's a great question it is something I think about a lot because what I don't want to create is like a division of like the bad guys and then there's the good guys. Um, that's not how I don't. I just don't think that's realistic. It's like we're one community as a whole with the good and with the bad. And um, you know the way I see it, a lot of the youth just have fallen into the wrong path because there weren't these opportunities. So um, you know. I take the good, it's like a family, you've got, you know, the good ones and the not so good ones, but we're still all one community, we're one family, and so, um, and so I want to be able to use whatever platform I have to, to be able to, to share that with people, like, you know, let's stop, you know, creating this division of the bad guys versus the good guys, like, the bad guys are sometimes our cousins or our brothers and sisters. This was part one of our interview with Myra. In part two, we sit down in the studio and talk about her journey into coffee, what it was like selling cold brew at farmer's markets, 
and what it's been like operating a business, helping baristas build job skills, and the politician who almost stopped back of the yards from opening. Before we opened our coffee house, we had applied for a business grant, and we were awarded. We were already selected as a as a winner. Um, however, we didn't have support from one person. Unfortunately, our alderman. Uh, <laughs> That's next week on Boss Barista. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez, and created in partnership with Good Beer Hunting. They're an industry-leading brand studio, editorial platform, and podcast devoted to the many issues worth discussing around the things that we eat and drink. You can learn more at goodbeerhunting.com, and I am so excited to finally announce this partnership. Good Beer Hunting is an amazing group of folks dedicated to talking about issues in food and drink read any of their articles they're all fantastic go to their website and see what they're doing they're really stepping up and helping us make this podcast as amazing as it could be and we're really excited to be working with them so please go check them out goodbeerhunting.com if you have any questions for us you can reach us at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com you can find us on instagram at bossbaristapodcast and on twitter at boss underscore barista Please send us your thoughts, your ideas, any suggestions, any feedback that you want. We're here to listen. We're here to broadcast your ideas. And we hope that we'll hear from you soon. Thank you, friends. Thank you.